Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, welcome back to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond. Every now and then I go into Apple Podcasts and look at the reviews on the podcast, and there's been a couple new reviews since the last time I talked to you about it. Now, you got to consider that I'm sort of like a dog that needs to be pet once in a while. I don't make enough money off this podcast to justify the, uh, the great amount of time that it takes to put out. I do get some benefits from my friends that I make on this podcast and the people I get to talk to. But as far as financial, no, it just does not cut it. <laughs> but but every dog needs to be pet once in a while. And this is the way you can pet me. You know, you can write a review on iTunes. And so I wanted to thank a couple people that wrote a review on September 8th. Adowaku for you. <laughs> Wrote, remarkably informative and entertaining. Question mark. How do I get all the episodes via Apple Podcasts? Well, to answer that question, you can't. Uh, There's about, I'm not sure how many episodes that I can put out in Apple Podcasts. I think it may be 10, it might be 20, it might be up to 50. Regardless, there's over 230 episodes out there now. And you can go to the website, and I found out the website wasn't working, and I don't know how long it wasn't working, probably since about July. In July, they had a PHP upgrade, and so all of my old posts were not showing. Uh, I called my host provider and said, what's going on? They said, well, let's try something, and they they put the website back to the previous PHP and the PHP is just some sort of software package, okay? Anyway, the previous PHP release and the old episodes displayed again. So I went in and I changed the theme and some of the plugins, and now it displays. So you can get all my old episodes by just going to the website and going to the blog posts or the podcast posts and just downloading them individually. Alternatively, you can also go to the website, and there is a uh, a button in there somewhere where you can buy my past episodes, and it's ten dollars for or nine dollars and ninety nine cents for twenty episodes, and you can go back and purchase my old episodes that way. So you can one way is free, just takes a little more work, and the other one is. Um, <laughs> cheap <laughs> 20 uh, basically 50 cents per episode if you want to go back and get the past episodes that way and then i got a review by sarah m reynolds on august 1st she wrote i'm a lifelong boater and my husband and i just made the switch from motorboating to sailboating we've been sailing for over a year now and we love the lifestyle I found this podcast and love the interviews. I've learned so much, and Franz, your interview style is so fantastic. I've learned so much and have listened to all the episodes, and I'm always excited to see new ones that pop up. Thank you very much. Sail fast. And Sarah, again, that previous comment also applies to you. You probably haven't listened to all my episodes unless you actually went back into the podcast 
directory, not the podcast, the website, and listen to my old podcast by downloading them on my website. Unless you did buy the uh, past episodes. And every now and then I do get a notice that somebody's bought uh, some of my old podcasts. And I appreciate that. A little bit of money in my pocket. And then there was one back on May 8th. And this one was from MGMPC. And he wrote, great podcast. I heard you say go to Croatia or Malta for a day and reset the 90-day do- clock for the Schengen zone. From what I've read, the rule is a look back of 180 days and a maximum is 90 days in the Schengen zone. So 90 days max is the last 180 days. You can't reset to zero unless you've been out for 180. If you leave, get stamped out. Okay, you and I are talking about totally different things. You are talking about me as an individual traveling in the Schengen. Croatia is not part of the Schengen. So you can leave the Schengen by going to Croatia and spend 90 days out of the Schengen by spending time in Croatia. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the VAT on an imported boat into the Eurozone. It's a whole different thing we're talking about. We're talking about apples and oranges. So you misinterpreted what I was saying about starting the time clock over again. The time clock I am talking about is the time clock for having to pay VAT tax on a boat that's in European waters. Okay, so now we've clarified that. All right. This is one of two podcasts that I did with Nathan Quirk. The reason I got a hold of Nathan Quirk was the previous podcast I did was an interview with Chris Axelson. In the interview with Chris Axelson, he talks about getting a KMZ file from Nathan Quirk through Noonsight. And with that information, I reached out to Nathan, and, uh, it, and as a result, we have these two interviews. And the file that he talks about is available at the website. I put it in a couple places. It's going to be in the link to this interview and the next interview, part one and part two of this interview with Nathan Quirk. Also, it's available at the website. If you look at the menu item, books, guides, and products, and then click Croatia, it's also available there. You can do me a big favor by supporting this podcast. Three ways you can support the podcast. Become a Patreon and support me there. Buy some of my audio products, and that includes my Learn to Sales series of audio products and also my past podcast episodes. And the third way is contribute to the podcast by suggesting topics that I might cover and writing reviews in your podcast directory. Pet this dog once in a while. All right, let's get on to the first of the two interviews I do with... Nathan Cork. Looking for a sewing machine that's both portable and powerful? Look no further than the legendary Sailrite Ultrafeed LSZ-1. Take it to the marina, store it on your boat. The Ultrafeed goes where you go. This high-performing, heavy-duty machine sews both in zigzag and straight stitch. The Ultrafeed can handle your toughest jobs with absolutely zero loss of power or skip stitches. It breezes through up to 10 layers of Sunbrella canvas and 8 layers of Dacron sailcloth. With the most dependable all-metal internal components, the Ultrafeed is a piece of well-engineered machinery that's built to last. 
Sailrite has been building the UltraFeed for over 20 years. This tried-and-true powerhouse machine comes with a five-year limited warranty and the best customer service in the industry. The machines are assembled, fine-tuned, and tested at Sailrite's manufacturing facility by a team of highly trained technicians. Every machine is calibrated and tested before it's shipped to guarantee both smooth operation and machine quality. Take your sewing skills to the next level with the Sailrite Ultrafeed LSZ-1 sewing machine. For over 50 years, Sailrite has been your authority in all things marine DIY. Do it yourself. What started as a mail-order correspondence course on sailmaking has grown into one of the largest online and catalog retailers for the marine industry. Sailrite stocks everything you need to sew for your boat. They are the only company that makes one design and custom sail kits. As a passionate group of DIYers, Sailrite's dedication to self-reliance at sea is proven in their products and services. Sailrite sells fabric, foam, supplies, and more, including the legendary portable and powerful UltraFeed sewing machine. So you can be self-reliant and save money by sewing your own projects, from Bimini's to Dodger's, sacrificial sail covers and sail bags, to interior and exterior seating and cushions. Sailrite brings you the best brands in the industry for unmatched product quality and professional-looking DIY results. With over 50 years of bringing you quality products, unparalleled service and support, and free how-to videos, Sailrite is a name you can trust. This is Franz. I'm on Skype with Nathan Quirk from New Zealand, from Auckland, New Zealand. And uh, the most difficult part of setting up this interview was figuring out the time frame. Because right now in Salt Lake, it's uh, September 19th, and it's 4.36 p.m. And for you, I think it's September 20th at um, 10.36 a.m. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I slept in a little bit this morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's morning for you and late afternoon for me. And I I reached out to Nathan because in my last interview with Chris Axelson, he talked about uh, the website Noonsight and that he got a lot of very valuable information from you uh, on sailing in Croatia for free anchorages. Now, I went to Noonsight and I went to that post that he talked about. But that uh, that link that you put up had expired, so I couldn't download it. So I'm going to try to get you to give me a copy of that KNZ file at some point in time. But but Nathan, I reached out to you. I just wrote you an email. You said you'd be glad to come on the podcast. But you are actively involved in the uh, New Zealand uh, World Cup campaign, aren't you? Uh, yeah, well, the uh, America's Cup. So I'm working I mean, for, the America's Cup, um, I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, there's there's four teams um, involved in in the next America's Cup, which is due in due to take place in uh, March next year. Um, there's us from the UK, um, uh, American team from I think Rhode Island, and uh, Luna Rossa from Italy, and then the defenders team New Zealand. So um, yeah, everyone's sort of arriving down here now and and setting up their bases to start competing around Christmas. All right. So tell me about your sailing experience. I understand you are a sailmaker. How did you get into sailing? And just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I grew up in um, Australia on the, 
just north of Sydney, and um, uh, my father was into sailing, so I, I started sailing before I remember really, <laughs> and um, and I was sort of sailing dinghies a lot, and uh, in my younger years, uh, it was all all I wanted to do was get on the water and go sailing. So, and I sort of progressed from there, and um, I was racing every weekend at uh, the local sailing club there, um, Belmont 16 foot sailing club. And I went through all the classes there. And then, um, yeah, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I just wanted to go sailing. So, um, and, a, and a job offer came up in a sail loft um, in the local area. And I took it, I, you know, I left school and I took that and, um, years and and it was like I wasn't sure to be honest I I wasn't sailing anywhere near as much as I, I liked so I, I sort of left and and went off and studied I, I did a degree in finance and and just after that I started uh, getting involved with the America's Cup and then the Volvo Ocean Race and um, so yeah I mean that's a pretty quick summary and, and ever since then that was in early well, it was 2002, I joined um, my first America's Cup team. And then uh, from then on, it's just, I've gone from sort of program to program, but it's, it's pretty hard work, but, and a lot of hours, but you get a, a nice break in between is which, and which is uh, when I do my cruising and, and my own sailing. So, Well, tell us about your cruising experience and your, and the boat you cruise on. Um, I have a Beneteau 42, uh, center cockpit. Um, it, uh, we bought, I bought that in Barcelona in 2018. It was just after the last Volvo ocean race. And I was kind of looking for a boat, but, um, you know, <laughs> it happened like a, a 10 days after the race finished. And I live in Andorra, um, uh, Andorra, I don't know if, all your listeners know where Andorra is, but it's a tiny little principality between, um, on the border between Spain and France. So Barcelona is sort of the airport I fly in and out of most of the time. And um, I was staying down there for a few days and uh, before heading back up to Andorra and uh, I found this boat in on the Saturday and by Monday lunchtime I owned it. And um, from there, we... We, um, I spent, we immediately went out to the Balearics and spent a bit of time sailing out there. Uh, and, but it was sort of coming to the end of the season. So um, I, I moored the boat um, uh, just south of, uh, yeah, just south of Barcelona for the winter and sort of got it all ready. And, and, and we set off last year and sailed from, I spent a bit more time in the Balearics and then, uh, you know, we sailed around the, all the way around to Croatia, um, sort of around the co French coast, down the Italian coast, through Messina and around the bottom up, up to Croatia. And then finally, uh, we, we ended up leaving the boat uh, in Greece. Uh, fortunately, it's near Athens and not where the storm was uh, yesterday, but um, so it's, and it's in on the hard stand, so it's it's all safe. But um, but yeah, and and prior to that, we, you know, I've 
<laughs> I did quite a bit of cruising, but not in long stints. Um, you know, from 2010, I've sort of been taking every, every opportunity I had to go do a bit of cruising in the med. So, um, you know, there's still a lot more to do, uh, which we hope to get back to next year. Okay. Uh, where, where south of Barcelona did you leave your boat? I, I went in my boat um, south of Barcelona. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the name of the place. Um, uh, what's, what's the next? Well, of course, you have the place they had the, the, uh, World, the America's Cup years ago in Spain. Uh, is that the area? Oh, uh, yeah. Barcelona. No, uh, that was uh, Valencia, sorry. Right. Um, it was just between Barcelona and Tarragona. It was... Uh, it was Port Borough. Oh, okay. It was a pretty quiet little place. Yeah. Yeah. Just north of uh, Tor- Torrenborough. So, um, but yeah, it was reasonably priced. And it was one of the few boatyards in that area that actually let you do your own work on your boat. Um, so, which was pretty crucial. <laughs> yeah. I left mine south um, of Alicante into in a little, little marine yard, a little boat yard. Oh, I can't even remember the name of it, but it was just south of Alicante. Um, like Santa Pola or yeah, something like that? Yeah, it's exactly where it was, Santa Pola. Yeah, there's a little boat yard okay. in Santa Pola that I left my boat there for actually two, yeah, two right. years. So, yeah. So anyway, um, you've spent, uh, you spent a lot of time creating some information that you put together and uh, it was talked about in Noonsight uh, about free anchorages. How did you do that? And uh, yep. you said it was in conjunction with some other people that you did it with. Yeah, well, when we were heading, we were sort of forced to head to Croatia last year, um, mainly for uh, uh, Schengen reasons and visa reasons. My wife is, or she wasn't my wife at that time, but my partner um, is from Philippines. So it's always a difficult with visas and uh, especially with Schengen uh, to apply for um, a Schengen visa. She needs to return to the Philippines and then uh, wait for five weeks and come back. So um, she, she had a visa, uh, a two-year visa, but still had to manage the days on that. Um, and at the time, we thought we were sort of maxing out on those days. So, But Croatia, although part of the EU and let, let you use a a Schengen visa there. It doesn't count against your Schengen time. And I think it's a bit of confusion amongst cruisers because I met a lot of people that were just avoiding going there or, or like Australians, Americans, uh, anyone not not EU, uh, were, were sort of shying away from Croatia because they thought it was part of the, the Schengen agreement and it still isn't. So you can get 90 days free uh, there without it affecting your time in the rest of the Schengen zone. But and, it, um, but it, but it doesn't count as time out of the Schengen, does it? So so could you go back and forth, like stay stay ninety days out of the Schengen by going to Croatia, and and spending ninety days in Croatia and then going back to the Schengen or not? Yeah, you, yeah, can. you can. Yeah, okay. you can. Yeah, yeah, you're out. You you sign out. Um, yeah, we 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 signed out of Schengen at the bottom of Italy in uh, Santa Maria de Luca. <clears throat> And then, um, yeah, and I actually met some people in the in the in the um, harbour master's office that were saying they were going to Albania. They wanted to go to Croatia, but they said oh, it's Schengen. And I went, at the last minute, I've gone, oh no, you know, what are we going to do? And um, then I checked again, and they still they still weren't. So and it all worked out. But 
we were apprehensive about going to Croatia just basically because everything I'd read, it was like, you, you just can't drop your anchor anywhere. And, and I was like, well, you know, uh, this, this is going to cost a fortune. And not only that, it was sort of, uh, I think 2017 sounded like the year where the cruising tax really, really spiked up. Um, my brother was there in 2016 on his, his boat. And, you know, it seemed reasonable. And then 2017, it just sounded like it got out of control. And, and consequently, um, I think less people went there, less cruisers went there in, um, in 2017. Oh, 2017 or 18? Yeah, uh, yeah. sounds like the worst. Yeah, I was there in 2019. Um, and it was still, it, it was bad, yeah. Yeah, so we were there. Okay. Um, yeah, but it, it, I think it had reduced a little bit. I, I might be wrong, but it sounded like it went down a bit last year. And but I was still and the the cruising tax. I mean, it's one thing. It, it's a it's a fixed cost. What what I didn't like was the fact that uh, pay fee collector <laughs> to drop my own anchor, and um, you know, and or, or go to marinas or or whatever. But I mean, marinas. Uh, you know, each to his own, but I tend not to like marinas, especially in the Mediterranean in summer. It's just too hot and, uh, you know, uncomfortable. And, and not only that, if you're making passage anywhere, you've got your key card for the dock you've got to take back and you've got to wait until they open. And it's just, it's not not really that convenient or comfortable. Um, there, there's some places that are, are better than others. But but um, anyway, when when we were sort of sailing around the bottom of Italy, I was doing some research, some late research, I guess, and I more or less like your guest the other week just stumbled across someone had this file and I uh, their names were Chris and Sue Jones, if if they're listening. <laughs> I um you know, it's no, it's not all my work. So and they sent me the file and I, I sort of looked at it a little bit and I thought, Oh, okay, that's good. And I had a few other resources. Um, no, no pilot guides or anything, but um, that Navali app where, you know, the crowdsourced uh, info and, and, and stuff like that on Anchorage. But that, that's a bit hit and miss, I found. And maybe it's better. It's getting better, I'm sure. But um, as we sort of started going, um, uh, as we arrived in Croatia, we, well, we went to Cavtat uh, to check in, which I don't know. I'd probably never do that again. Well, you have to. That's the closest. Um, that's the requirement. If you go into uh, Dubrovnik, they'll say you didn't go to the nearest uh, check-in point. So, yeah, you're supposed to check into Sovtot or Kovtot or however you want to say it. Um, yeah. 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 Well, that's what I read too, and maybe yeah, it is the case. I think if you're coming up from Montenegro and up from Greece, that way it, that prob- that's probably a valid Point, but you know we were sailing across from Italy, so uh, you know I think we might have got away with going to into Dubrovnik, um, but it, it sounds like you need to stay outside of all the islands. You can't sort of stop anywhere, and uh, you know, in coming from Italy, we checked out two days before we before we left because the weather got, and we went ashore, and no one really cared, you know. So it's quite a different. No, the um, Italians. I love the Italians. They could care less about most of the bureaucracy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know why did so, July? You which know, is great. 
I have cleared in and out of Sovtot or Kavtot or whatever you want to, however you want to pronounce it, many times, and I've never had really any problems. What didn't you like about it? Um, I guess we were tired there, and you know, we, we'd been sailing for it took us a, a, a bit to sail across, and um, it was hot, and I was just, I. I was just apprehensive about the whole Croatia experience with all everything I'd read, and I knew there was uh, um, the there was someone on the dock that was gonna want, wanted to grab my lines and, <laughs> and start charging me money from the first time I stepped on the, on Croatian soil, and I was like, well, and I was kind of ready. I was ready for it, and so we we, we sort of came into the dock. And, reversed in and, and there the white guy was and my yeah my father was on the boat at the time and I said I'll just jump off and so we jumped off and we tied our own lines and any any this guy just held so much abuse at, at us because we'd done it all ourselves and <laughs> he wanted to um, <laughs> and he not only that it was he took photos of the boat. He said, I should have had the cue flag up. Well, you know, maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't have. But, you know, there's nothing that was it. We were sailing from one EU country to another EU country. We're an EU uh, registered boat. So there was really no requirement for that. Anyway, he took photos of that. He, just, he was just trying to, in, you know, interrogate me, get money out of me. And the more he did that, the more I ignored it and just went away. But he sent those photos to the police. And basically, the police just said, uh, if uh, you know this guy causes us problems, if you don't pay him, so it was more—it's not like you did anything wrong. It was like it's easier for us if you pay, yeah. sort of thing. And uh, yeah, anyway, it sounds like he's just got a, a deal to to run a line service off the dock. You're not actually paying for the dock service, but yeah. And, and like to be honest, I wouldn't mind paying if it was a if it was a warm welcome and. And, and, you know, he was quite professional about his job, but it just didn't seem uh, that way. So that was our first experience there. And then I, I find the fact that the harbour and the police station are separate, a bit of a, a, an annoying when you're arriving in a new country, not sure where to go first and whatever. I knew where to go first, but the harbour office is not well signed. It's up a street somewhere. And, um, yeah, yes. it's, it, they, they've, yeah moved it. they've moved they it. Make- they've moved it. They've moved it. It oh, used to be fairly a little closer, but now it's way down at the end. And like you say, on your way to the next bay over is where it's located now. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it used to be probably about oh half as far when you're driving when you're when you're walking around because now it's a good long walk to get to it. But uh, and and I'll tell you my experience yeah, with that guy. Um, especially when you don't be going. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, yeah. yeah yeah, my wife, actually, Andrew Vick, if you've listened to my, any of my podcasts with him, I, I'm sure you haven't, but Andrew Vick did the same trick you did, where he lassoed the bullard, and he didn't let the guy take any money, and and, and uh, he didn't talk about getting any abuse from him. When I've gone in there, I've just yeah. resigned myself to paying this guy whatever his, his bite is. And, uh, yeah. and my wife, uh, yeah, my wife would be on the boat and she'll chat him up and now he sees me and he says, Oh, you're back again. You know? So, I mean, he knows he gets his money <laughs> from me, but he's, he's plenty friendly to me because I've been back and forth so many yeah. times that he actually recognizes the boat and says, Oh, you're back again. And, 
you know, once you have the learning curve down, I would feel much more uncomfortable uh, checking into Dubrovnik because I don't have the learning curve down on where the heck to go in Dubrovnik. So, so for me, I prefer self-taught. Yeah. But uh, even though there is yeah. the bite, the uh, the mooring bite. <laughs> the other thing I don't like about self-taught is yeah. usually there's a bunch of boats waiting to clear customs. So you're sitting out there waiting for your turn to pull up to this uh, this dock that will hold maybe four boats most uh, maximum. And so, yeah, exactly. It's a really small dock, and mm-hmm. um, and yeah, if you drop your anchor, you, you the coast guard will be on you in in two seconds. So, oh yeah, um, you have to wait. Yeah, my first so, time yeah, from, from, my sorry. my first time sailing over there. I'd sailed over from Berendizi, and this is my first time in Croatia. We arrived early in the morning when it was still dark, and we pulled into the harbor and dropped our anchor. And then the next morning, we were going to clear customs. We couldn't go to shore, but would arrived, and we were just waiting. And like you said, somebody came up. Uh, as soon as the light came up, they came out and said, you can't, pay, you can't anchor here. We're going to, we can charge you. I said, well, what do you want to do? He said, well, all right, pull up your anchor, and we won't charge you. I said, okay, fine. But, uh, yeah, yeah, well, not very friendly. I mean, they want to grab your money as soon as you pull in. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think um, – I think me going there, if I did it again, I'd be much more relaxed about it. It's just that I read so much uh, that, yeah, um, negative sort of comments about it and people avoiding it and everything. But that, uh, but I was a little bit, you know, I had my defences up sort of thing from the moment <laughs> I got into Croatian waters. But but it, very quickly we realised it wasn't like that. You know, um, you know, we we passed through the the check-in and we went around the, the other side of the bay because it was kind of bad weather for a couple of days from the south and we anchored there and, and even there was, I was like, well, you know, it was a Coast Guard boat sitting at the entrance of the bay for like all day pretty much and they'd pick off, they'd pick a couple of yachts and go and, go and sort of um, check all their paperwork and I was just waiting for my turn but they never came. Um, I guess they report, they, they know what's going on, who's checked in, who hasn't and it seemed to be... Um, non-EU flag boats that were getting getting checked more often than not. So I guess the VAT and the time they've spent in EU waters um, is something they're checking on quite off quite often. So but from there as we headed north it just got we just got more relaxed and we realized it you know was actually a beautiful place and people were nice and um, and you, if you did your research you you know when you look at it on the map it's hard to believe uh, you know, with so many islands and inlets and bays that anyone's got any, you know, it's hard to believe that the fee collectors have got a lock on it because it, it's impossible to police and 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 cover it all all of it. So, um, you know, we found many many free anchorages with the help of this uh, file. So as we went through, I added sort of a 2019 update to it, and um, and sort of after our. 10 weeks in Croatia and we, we'd only spent, I think, 10 euros on anchoring in Pula. Um, I was like, well, you know, there's a bit of bad, um, a bit of a bad information around uh, about Croatia. And, and it was striking that there wasn't that many private cruising yachts there. It's, it's more of a charter boat. You know, there's a lot of charter boats, but it, it really, you know, you did see private yachts, but nowhere near as many as sort of... Greece or, or and nowhere near as many as you'd expect to see in such a beautiful place but but um, yeah so I just thought 
you know, it helped me so much that file that I sort of updated it and, and made it, trying to make it more available. Well, send it to me. If you can send it to me, I'll put it on our website so people can access it. Because I try to put sure. as many resources on our on our on the website as possible, and like I say, I wouldn't try to download it from Noonsite, and I couldn't get it to to work because apparently it only worked for a period of time, and then it had expired. So yeah, I, I just yeah, I just put a I, well, I didn't want too many people sort of getting into my OneDrive. I just wanted to be able to sure <laughs> be sure it was. Um, uh, and but I have no problem putting it back up there, and I will do again. Nope. Okay. So. Yeah, because uh, like I say, Chris really raved about the information you gave out in that, and he really enjoyed it. Now, I found plenty of, you know, last summer before last, because uh, I couldn't go out this last summer, but the, the summer before, um, I sailed all the way up Croatia from Dubrovnik to uh, to Italy. And mm-hmm. I, only when I went into marinas did I end up paying for anchorages. I could always find places that I did not have to pay anchor to anchor. And sometimes they were right next to mooring fields. I just had to get outside the mooring fields. And one time a guy came up that had the concession for the mooring field. And I said, well, where can I anchor for free? And he said, well, just stay beyond that line and you're fine. I said, okay, not, not line, yeah. but that point there, just go on beyond that point and, uh, and you're fine. But, uh, but it wasn't cheap to go into the mooring places. It was like uh, 40 euros to go pick up a mooring in these places. Ridiculously expensive. For yeah, to, no, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah for no yeah. services. And even the marinas. But, yeah. Yeah, and the marinas. The marinas are, are super expensive, I find, there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, let's talk about considering your... Considering they're all... In. Let's talk about your trips Sorry. and some of the um, some of your favorite anchorages and uh, work our way up uh, through your trip through Croatia. I, had a lot, I have a lot of uh, listeners that want as much information on Croatia as they can get. And I've had multiple interviews with many people on Croatia. And let's just add yours to the body of knowledge that we've got then. Okay, no worries. Um, so we, we, we yeah, headed north from Kavtat. My pronunciation on, on uh, Croatian towns and bays and islands will be, will be completely rubbish, so <laughs> you will need the file. <clears throat> um, but uh, we went up. Yeah, we, we we grabbed some fuel around Dubrovnik and uh, in the marina up the up the river under the bridge. Yeah, um, that's uh, the ACI marina and, there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and sort of refueled there, got some water, and then we um, didn't stop at Dubrovnik. That, then it was sort of late July, so and all I could see was thousands of people walking around the wall. So I thought, no, and it was really hot, so. We said, oh, we'll see that on the way back. Um, yeah, and then we just sort of started heading north. And um, I'd been there in 2014. I knew of one little anchorage, um, uh, Sipanski Luka. It's. Yeah. What's the island name? It's on my. That was one anchorage we really, really enjoyed and it's um really quiet nice little village it's quite close to dubrovnik but but is um, this the uh, one on the south end of the island sudurad no it's i think it's sipan is the island oh saipan okay okay 
Saponskaluka right, so. is the name of a town. Saponskaluka is the name of a town on on that island, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you can anchor. It's beautiful in there. I mean, it's really calm and uh, it's a nice little village and not sort of not really overrun. But now, nice when you when I was there, I had you had to pay. Did you not have to pay when you went there? No, didn't pay. It was the first question I asked a bunch of yachts as I motored past. Are you paying? So really? They said no, no, it's fine. Yeah, and um, yeah, that was. Uh, I, I hope we're talking about the same place. It's it's a little walk. You can, well, in most bays and crowds, there's a little walk around, but there's a little uh, beach bar you can walk to in a, in a, on a spit. Um, a bit okay, I'm looking the at the actual the town at Sponskaluka. So what's the name of the town? Yep. Yeah, that's the town. That's the town at the northwest side of the island. The next island down would be Lopud, L-O-P-U-D. And, um, yeah, uh, that's right. Yep. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. that little village did not charge you because I've been in and out of that village and I never stayed there because I assumed they were going to charge me. So No, no. There's some mooring balls right down in the bottom of the bay where it's um, – and I think it's a bit of a, a sunsail base um, too. Mm-hmm. There was a sunsail, and I, I think, um, yeah, you get charged on the on the moorings, of course. But anchoring on the uh, southern side of the bay, all the way up to sort of where the there's a bit of a swimming pool and water polo and beach bar thing, quite a way up. But but anywhere along the south side of the bay, you can you can anchor. Okay, um, I'm, I'm looking free. at that, and, right and even when we came back. Okay, I've got Google Earth open, and I'm looking at it, and I'm, I just put a marker on my, because I'm recording this. Uh, but the, there is a water polo area there, and there's this little key, a little key that k- kicks out from this the shore, and it's really narrow there between one side and the other side of uh, this peninsula. Is that where we're talking about then? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, holding is reasonable, and and uh, it's just a nice place. Good sunsets and uh it was really quiet and calm so we enjoyed it there we we stopped back there for a couple of days on the when we're heading south too um so we only we were on a bit of a rush in the beginning because we had to get to split um quite we had some flights booked out of split to sweden um and uh so we were on a bit of a, a charge early on from from there we went uh we didn't stop in the is it Millet mm-hmm. National Park. Mm-hmm. You did not stop there. Yeah, though. we, we motored, Yeah, yeah, we motored through there, and it was nice. But we just really didn't have time, and I think they they sting you quite hard there. Yeah, for, they'll they'll usually. I got away the last time I was there. They I they didn't come take money from me. I saw them go around and hit every other yeah, right. boat around me, but didn't come to see me. So I guess I snuck by one time. <laughs> yeah oh take it <laughs> yep um yeah so from from there we went went motored through there sort of yeah, through those islands there and then went across to Cochula and we anchored uh about two miles southeast of Cochula mm-hmm. yeah um just off that island then yeah exactly uh it's in the red Resiste? Yeah. You can anchor in there. And that wasn't, that was, that was quite calm. And, um, you know, there's not much on the shore. There's a couple of little restaurants, but 
But I think one of the big things in Croatia, if you if you, if people do go, is you, re, you need a good tender. You need to be able to you know to go have some range in your tender with a bit of speed, and and that really helps to. Um, miss some of these fees. I mean, because if you if you want to anchor near Cochula, I think they're going to get you um, in the in the bay just south of Cochula. Yeah, and I sure and I uh, have anchored there, and they came in and they got me, and I think it was around for some reason about um, wasn't that bad, which sort of surprised me. It wasn't as bad as I was going to expect. But it was, uh, and they didn't yeah. mind if you came in during the day and anchored, and then uh, uh, took your dinghy ashore and wandered around Corchula and came back and took your boat out. It was only if you were staying overnight did they come around and, and really put the bite on you. So for a day anchorage, it was, it was free, but if you wanted to stay overnight, they came and charged you. And I, as I recall, it was around fifteen euros. It wasn't too much. It surprised me that it wasn't more expensive okay. on that particular bay. I'm going to put a place mark on right. that. Yeah. It can be quite busy in there too. Um, oh from, yeah, from oh yeah. And I did anchor in. I did anchor in there in 2014, and uh, it was super busy. You could barely find a spot. They didn't charge then, but that was a while ago. So yeah, well, that's um, the entertainment for the evening is watching every other boat come in and try to anchor. That's always the entertainment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Cochula Town is beautiful. I mean, if if. It's a place that shouldn't really be missed. Um, it's, it's super nice. And there's an ACI so, um, marina. But yeah, we could get there. And there's an ACI yes, marina yeah. there, and it's very expensive because I, I looked into it and it was like around 150 euros for my size boat, which is smaller than your boat, to go into that uh, ACI marina. And then you've got to call ahead for reservations. They're always booked up. So sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. No, that's that's fine. No. I, it, yeah, the marina prices just struck me as amazing. Like, and they're all week they're, they're empty in summer. You know, it's just like it's just like they they must be on such a good deal. From not all of them, obviously the one you're talking about wasn't, but but um, a lot of them just seem dead empty uh, with all the charter boats that are out. And you'd think they'd be wanting to sell the berths, but they don't do anything to to attract boats um, during the week. So anyway, maybe they are this year with, with fewer people. Yeah, about but who knows? But um, so I will tell you where I uh, anchored um, for free. Uh, of course, I've anchored where you talked about for free as well, um, and uh, and I like that. And I walked around that island. There's a lot of small deer on that island, but not much else, like you say. But a lot of boats were anchored in that area, just off that little island. But uh, yeah. north, uh, there's a lot of little bays just north of there. There's like three bays north of Cortula, and if you know where to go in those bays, you can anchor for free in those bays. The second one north is the one I went to, and but you had to go to the far east side of that bay to anchor for free. Otherwise, you'd have to pick up a mooring ball, and they would charge you an, an arm and a leg for the mooring ball in those. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah now we... um. I did see. I'm looking at those bays now. They look quite sheltered too. Quite nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good info. Good info. Um, I guess from there we we kind of shot straight up to Havar. We stopped um, in a little uh, Lovisse. Lovisse. Uh, is that the name of the island? That little see. one just off to the south side of Havar. That uh, that island there. Let's see. Uh, no, it's, it's called. Cedra, 
schedule. Yeah, it's um, it's before you go sort of. Uh, uh, it's just south of our. It's a little island off off the. Yeah, just sort of halfway up. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, have a, mm -hmm. Yeah, but just south, about a, a couple of miles south. But um, yeah, we just stopped there overnight, really, to for a quick anchor. It was nice, but I read some stories about some rats on the island, and uh, so we didn't really go ashore, and mm. uh, we didn't want to tie tie stone too because apparently the rats will walk on your line. So, but otherwise, it was it was quite nice, and then. Then we went up to Havar and I, I was sort of anticipating having to pay there and we wouldn't have minded because it, it's, I think it's a nice place to see. And, but then as we got closer and I did some research, it, it's quite, it's, there's plenty of places to anchor on the, um, on the point, just on the western, um, just west of the, the bay. Or the yeah. Oh, really? Because I'm looking at Havar. Google Earth and I see a bunch of boats anchored there, but I never thought that would be a good anchorage. But uh, that's where you anchored then, huh? Yeah, it's a horrible place. To, you wouldn't want to spend the night there. But okay. It was a day stop, All and right. uh, it was fine. Yeah, the ferry's coming and going like every 10 minutes. It, you know, it, was, it was pretty full on. But um, we didn't stay there overnight. But it was good holding at Sandy Bottom. So, it, you know, it, was, it, would, it, worked. it would work great. And there's plenty of places to tie your hands are up in Havar. So, you know, and no one hassled you. That was that was good, and it's a nice town. We walked up to the castle and good views from up there, and had some lunch. Uh, so that was that was good. And then that night we we I, I probably should have checked the weather a bit more, but we had a narrow escape in one of the the bays. So these just uh, where is it? Three bays to the west. That little key that comes out there is that what you're talking about yeah but we we're south but there's islands just south um okay yeah there's a, a lot with a huge yeah palm, palm. i forget that it's not showing up on my google earth i should probably open up google maps at the same yeah. time because it's palmazana palmazana it's a there's a heap of little bays i think you know the place yeah I'm mm -hmm. about. a heap of little bays and so I didn't mark that on my anchorage because I wouldn't recommend anyone go there because it was it was terrible. <laughs> we we went to bed and then a really strong northerly storm came in and um, we were well, I think we only escaped by a couple of minutes and 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 uh, we're motoring upwind in you know one to two meter waves and couldn't see anything and it was night time um, and uh, so we went straight across to the 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 uh, northern side of that channel there and found and went into uh where is it went into a little anchorage one of the little keys uh, up there that was quite that was dead calm and we stopped back there on the way back through too so now um, now is that free there's a there's one i'm looking at that uh that has like a head and two arms sticking out and looks like there's boats anchored in there right now i mean when google image took this yeah, picture. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the one. So, in in there, there is some restriction. You, there's a line on the on the on the western end of the bay, basically, um, that last sort of 
um, that goes goes sort of heading heading up northwest. Mm-hmm. You can't anchor in there. There are lines on the ground. I think you, you might even have ground lines set. So yeah, you can't anchor in there. But anywhere else in the bay is fine. And, and I I tend not to go stern too if if I can avoid it. Um, like tie up like Medmore. Um, I just find it a lot of hassle with just two of us on board and and with the, our boat being the center cockpit, it's not that easy to do. Um, you know, you're so far from the stern yeah. <laughs> all the time to uh, to manage ropes and you know, having to put the dinghy in the water. So I always try and find a place where I can just free free swing on the on the anchor. But but uh, yeah, that was fine in there. And then from there, we basically had to pretty much hightail it to towards uh, Split. We didn't. We were flying out of Split Airport. For a couple of days, I have a son who lives in Sweden, so I, my my parents uh, were with us, and they wanted to go up there. So um, we went up there, and but we we I found a marina in the west, well, Marina Agana, which is um, sort of west of Trogir. Okay, west right of Trogir. Uh huh. Yeah, and uh, they actually had reasonable prices for like a stay over three days. I think. I was paying like 70 euros a night there. Um, and if you were right on a Tuesday, it was even cheaper. So, um, and it's a really nice little village and really good access to to uh, Split Airport. Um, so we left, I left the boat there for a week, more or less, while, while we were away. Um, and that was good. That was, that was a great little place. Um, so that big that big marina on the north shore and to the west of uh, right off the tip of that uh, the island there, or the, I guess it's the island. Yeah, is that where you're talking about then? Uh, no, even further, further For, like further west of Trogir. Oh, like okay. Right up in yeah, as far west as you can go in that that sort of. Um, uh, oh, okay. There it is. Way over there. Then okay. Okay. Yeah, Marina Agana. Yeah, so that was that was a good spot actually. That was kind of really nice um, and and affordable too. You had to leave your boat. Um, and I, I you know I shopped around a bit because <laughs> I, I mean you're not on your boat. You're just parking it, so there's no need to pay more than you have to. So. Um, yeah, it looks like they have hard standing and, area there too as well. Yes, there was a yeah exactly. Um, no, it was really good. Um, plenty of depth and and really calm too. I, I doubt any sea state would ever get in there. So. Um, yeah, it looks like I've never been there, uh, but it looks like a good place, especially if you're going to fly out. And so you, if it was reasonably priced, if you got it, uh, if when you went there, then probably until the charter companies take over. So. Yeah, you can only stay there during for. For the weekdays, so from Sunday till uh, Saturday morning or Friday night, so um, which suited us okay. Um, they, they were going to kick us out the, if we <laughs> stayed any longer. <laughs> um, and then yeah, we went away and we returned returned back to the boat, and then we sort of slowly went around that um, I don't know what what area you call it, but uh, mainland and all those inlets just sort of west and mm-hmm. south and west of there around, around to. Oh, Primostan. Uh, yeah. yeah, we stopped. We'd spent a, a night. We probably spent 
like 10 days sailing around there and just looking at going into various villages and and um and yeah it was all again very nice um Primestown's really nice um but again like you still every time you approach a, a uh, something nice to see in like a nice village in Croatia, you have to sort of do your research on where to anchor. And, and Primestan was was um, was another case like that. But you know, you anchor in the opposite side of the bay, and it's it's totally free. You can see the boat from from the island uh, when you're having lunch. So it's no, it's all, all completely safe, and it's a nice you know another, another one of these. Sort of Christian villages built on a hill on a spit, and and uh, yeah, super yeah. Nice. I'm looking so. at that, and, and so it looks like so you can you can anchor in that bay then for free. Is that right then? Yeah, yeah. On the on the eastern side of the bay. Um, on the eastern side of the bay. So yeah, on the eastern side of that uh, peninsula that comes out with the uh, with the, the the town then, and then there's another place even farther to the east. Is that the or there's a little dog leg up there, farther to the east. Is is that one free as well? Yeah, or so that's where we. Well, we anchored even further east than that on the sandy area up against the oh. eastern eastern shore, and it was you know it's a, I don't know one mile on the on the in the tender across maybe less. Okay, so I had the so place mark. So if you go right off the split, that's going to be a mooring field, and they're probably going to charge you for that then. I think so. I, I didn't try, but I just stayed away from it, really. Okay. Um, someone has wrote, uh, there are laid moorings on the quayside, but if you, yeah, okay. didn't say didn't say it was free, didn't say it was charged, but there's a lot of mooring pools in that little bay adjacent to the to the island or the, or the town. Um, but, uh, yeah, we just stopped there for lunch, I think, and then we sort of carried around, and then we started sort of making way towards the Kirka uh, River. Mm-hmm. Um, Sibinip or Shibinik, and, yep. Yeah, yeah Shibinik. And uh, I think we and we went straight up. We went all the way up to um, the falls. The, well, the I got to really ask you, did you show any style and sail all the way up? Tried to sail where we could, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge, you know. <laughs> You'd tr- yeah, try and unroll the, yeah, yeah. There, there was something, but yeah, I, I wouldn't like to be a few days sailing up there. I think if you had to, but um, I was yeah, able was to. I, I was able to do it all under sail one day, and I was I was bare, barely going slower than the people motoring up. The wind was blowing perfectly up that that river channel, and uh, everybody that was well, motoring yeah. past me just barely were able to pass me. So. I thought, ah, come on, what kind of boat do you have? A sailboat or a motorboat? But uh, I was the only one sailing up yeah. the river. But it was a lot of fun. It was beautiful. No, I, there. I'll always, I'll, yeah, I'll always unfurl the headsail when I when I get a chance. And we sailed across the Broadwater up there mm-hmm. before we went up the Pine. But um, but that's that's about it. And quite a way up the river towards the Tont, uh, probably up until about the bridge, and then we then I sort of gave up. So, so yeah. But, uh, yeah, we got all the way up to the falls or just, you know, uh, Scradden. Mm-hmm. Is the name. Yeah. yeah. And there's a, there is a free anchorage there. There's a, there's a mooring field opposite the, the town and the marina, um, but just sort of further upstream 
between there and the bridge on a bay just off to the east. There's room for about five, probably five yachts if, if you really had to anchor. And that was really good holding and dead calm. I mean, you just, I think I, that's the best I've ever slept anywhere <laughs> up there. It wasn't a ripple. So Yeah, I've anchored exactly where you're talking about. And it used to be all free on that side of the river, but now they put those mooring balls down down river from where you can anchor for free now. Uh, so they, they, yeah. they, they're gradually taking over every little spot in there. But what I also liked about that, it was fresh water. You'd go swimming and you'd come out and it was fresh water. You didn't have to shower off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know your engine's getting a nice flush too, or, yeah. you know, better than salt water. So, yeah. Um, and then we sort of, we were up there, I think we stayed up there for four days. We went up to the falls one day, but it was just so calm and relaxed up there. We didn't have to worry about storms or weather or anything. It was, so we just took the chance to, um, you know, just take it easy. And then we sailed back down and we stayed in the entrance of, of the river there near, um, well, just, yeah, near where the fort is. Um, and yeah. I think your, your guest last week was talking about anchoring on the southern side of, of, of the river there at the entrance, but we were on the northern side for four, four, four nights and we, we sort of went between there and Subinicle, you know, daily and in the tender. It's a bit of a slog, but, but you know, it's the easiest. It was the closest anchorage we could get and... Yeah, no, I guess it was ten minutes in the tender, so but it was fine. A dead calm again. So, so you're talking about coming back down from Shibanik then? Yeah, yeah, and almost out into the out into the Adriatic again, right at the entrance there. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple places to anchor there. Uh, at that little fortress right there, as you come into that passage to go into Shibanik. Uh, south exactly, of that yeah. is the bay that I've been in, and we talked about that. You're right. We talked about that last week, and, and I, I anchored there, and it was got pretty shallow pretty quick. Right. Yeah. 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 So we were still in the river, but, um, and I don't know, it was a bit of a rough ride in the tender at times with all the traffic going up and down that river and backwash and whatnot, but, but um, yeah, it was it's doable. It's, you know, I think the marinas up there are probably 100 euros a night for our size at least so you know it adds up i'd rather go for a nice dinner than <laughs> hand over money for a bit but uh yeah so we stayed up there for a bit and then we sort of started to sort of make make a bit more way north um we stopped in at Trebunj, uh just just sort of north there um that's a nice not really nice town um we anchored sort of on the island, at the island south of there, and it was you know dead calm, and you could get to the get to the town quite easily. And there's a there's free water there, which uh, which which is good at the marina uh, fuel dock. Um, we did fill up with diesel, but the, the guy said, yeah, just take as much water as you want, which is pretty unusual <laughs> in Croatia. Oh yeah, so but, I've um, never been into that town. So there, there's a free anchorage in, at that island just south of there, then. Yeah, yeah. There's a few no anchoring signs, but if you anchor out sort of west, uh, no, east of the, I think you need you you basically just need to keep the channel clear between the small island mm-hmm. off, off the town and and the bigger island just south of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fishing boats send it through there, so early morning, late at night. So, but I think you could anchor further up in the bay if you tried. No one was there, but 
and, and we didn't try, but it felt like you could. You just had to keep the, the channel open. Um, but yeah, that was that was super nice there. Uh, we, I think, we were a couple of nights there. And then uh, from there, where did we go? We sort of started heading towards the Dar. Then um, we covered covered quite a few miles in the next few days. Um, I just need to. Yeah, Zadar is yeah. another town I've never been into. I've gone by it many times, but I've never been into it. So, Ankara, it's pretty hard to. There's only one spot just north of the town, and there wasn't much room there. Um, it was it was outside a a group of like local boats moored. Um, it wasn't a you know you sort of you had to either go to the marina just north of Zadar or or, or into the um, into the channel behind Zadar to 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 more, and then there was this just right on the well. When you see my file, I should have sent you the file before we started this, but um, there's a little there is space to anchor, and we yeah we stayed there a couple of nights and went to and from. So there is a spot in Zadar that you can anchor for free. There. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'll have to figure that out. Yeah. But yeah, I'm looking yeah. at it. Uh, looks like there's a little bay just north of the uh, bridge, but there's a big marina just right across from that. Uh, or is it farther north from that? So, the, no, no, between the big marina across uh-huh. the bay and uh-huh. um, uh, and, and Zadar. Okay. So you, you're only sort of two minutes from by tender. Um, Okay, so, so yeah, that was, I, that I was see a bunch handy. of boats anchored in there. I thought that would be a mooring field, so that surprises yeah. me. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the Google Earth, there's a lot more boats more there than what Google Earth shows now. Um, so there's a little patch just on the northern tip of the bay there, on, or I guess the western mm-hmm. uh, tip of the bay. There's a little sand patch, and, yeah, you can anchor there quite quite fine. Um, oh, okay. And, yeah, good holding and, yeah. So there was probably three other yachts actually in there when we were there. So um, and yeah, no one no one hassled us. So so we stayed for a few days. Okay, yeah, um, that's good then, information because I've looked at Zadar and I've never got in there because the marinas are so damned expensive. So I've never and I always thought I would yeah. have to go to a marina if I went to Zadar. So that's that's really good information. So okay, so I've got that yeah, no, it's a really nice really nice town to uh, Zadar and. It's really easy to get it around. It's flat and it's um, yeah, super nice. So um, and then uh, yeah, then we sort of tracked north and we went. We decided to go to Park and we were, we were sort of looking at the Bora. And I know your guest last week mentioned it and um, it was amazing. There's no, <laughs> you didn't, we didn't see a single yacht for a week, and that was in August, I think, or maybe yeah, it was all, still August, late August, and around the northern side of Pag. It just seems like no one wants to go there because they're um, they're scared of the the borer. But we were the only yacht in there for a, for for a week, I think. So um, how how did you get there? Did you go down the, around the South Passage, or did you go around the North Passage to get from around the town of Lun L U N and come down, or did you go around, go south? Uh, south. Yeah. Okay. Right there. South under the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the first night we were actually in there, we didn't anchor 
in Pug, we anchored because uh, I knew there was there was some wind coming, um, and uh, you know the gusts were expected to be sort of 40, 50. So we were a bit we were a bit nervous about the whole thing, but um, we anchored up in uh, Metana, Metana. Oh, Metana. It's just yeah, north northwest of Pug. Northwest um, of Pug. Okay. Still on Pug Island, but or whatever the island's called. I think it's Pug. Yeah. And uh, so we anchored in there, and then the weather was supposed to come, was was expected or late more or early morning, and um, and I knew where it was coming from, and yeah, there was nothing downwind of us, so I was like, well, when when it comes, it comes. If we slip, we slip, and uh, we did <laughs> pretty quickly. But the boar is blowing uh, you offshore so at that point in time, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was offshore, straight down that valley, and, and you know, in hindsight, it wasn't the greatest place to anchor, but it was there was nothing downwind of us that that was going to cause us any problems. So I just took the risk, and um, yeah, I guess probably 40, 40, maybe 50 knots at, at times. When, um, and I don't think the bottom was great holding there, uh, so we slipped pretty quickly. But then we just went around the corner and sort of tied up under the trees there and just sort of stayed on the boat all day and finished it. And it, it was fine. I wouldn't have, wouldn't have wanted any more wind. Um, you see some footage of a proper borer, and um, yeah, you, you don't want to be... <laughs> you don't want to be anywhere near that. <laughs> so... Um, when you say so you went around the later. when you say you went around the corner, is that uh, to the south where there's a little bit of a forest? There is that what you're talking about? Uh, yeah, just just literally around the corner of the bay, yeah. and there's a yeah the forest. You know, I figured like anywhere that, where there's trees in, on Pag, it, it, it's probably it, you know it's it, there's less wind there, <laughs> so it's probably safe. That was my thinking. And, yeah, yeah, um, I, I see yeah, that. Every, a, everywhere else, it's desolate but, on the island, but except for that little spot with the trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and from that town, there's a sign saying you can go on the. I think it's a Mars Experience Walk, sort of thing. That's what they call it. So, um, yeah, it's just desolate, really. It's amazing. Uh, and then we, yeah, then we sailed down. We, we anchored off Pug for a few days. The weather calmed down and. And um, anchored off Pug for two that two nights, and and went in there and tried the the, the salty cheese and had a look around. It was it was nice. There's not not too many tourists there. It was, it was really cool. Um, yeah, I've never been there. But uh, no, well, yeah, like I said, there wasn't wasn't any yachts anywhere near there. So um, uh, you know, we were sort of felt a bit. Are we in the right spot? Are we allowed to be here? Should we be here? Um, and I'm sure if we had another 20 knots of borer, we would have said we'll never go there again. But, but um, yeah, it was okay. It was okay. It was manageable. And I think it, from sounds talking to the locals and stuff, it it sounds like the borer is a bigger problem, sort of in obviously in winter and, and more March, uh, April, February, March, April. So I think uh, they're quite they can they're more moderate in. In uh, in summer, if they do, if you do get them, I don't, I don't know. You probably have more experience with them than me. So yeah, I, I, I've had them bad enough in the summer. I wouldn't want to be there in the winter when they're really coming down. And, and yeah. I, it's interesting because uh, there's one, uh, I related this before, but the last time I cleared into uh, Savtot from 
I've been down in uh, Montenegro re- renewing my VAT, getting out of the EU situation. And uh, I'd come back up and cleared into uh, Sovtop. And that guy that took the, my ropes, he said, oh, you're back again. I said, yeah. He said, well, there's going to be a big storm tonight, so make sure you're anchored well. And I did not know that. He said, yeah, there's a Bora coming tonight. And every weather forecast that I listened to didn't even talk about this. So I said, well, thank you for that information. And then I, with that information, I headed up to uh, uh, Dubrovnik. Otherwise, I was planning on just going around the corner to anchor on the other side of that peninsula where Sovtot's at. And so that that was when I was glad I actually paid the guy <laughs> because he said there's there's a bore coming. But somehow they, they know, the Croatians know when the bores are coming, but it's not hitting the uh, the grib files and it's not hitting the weather forecast I listen to. So I uh, I was glad yeah. for that information. So and that, and that night it yep. was they closed down the marina. They wouldn't let. By the time I got there, the blow bora was already blowing, and they shut down the marina so you could not go into the marina. But they have really good holding just outside of the marina, and uh, right. so that's where I anchored yeah. in really deep mud. Yeah, the, 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 you're you're right. The the forecast any of the apps don't pick up you know the full strength of what what might be coming, and and I kind of got caught out a few times, not not in a bora, but but um, same direction, but just, you know, something they say that it's going to be 12 to 15 knots. You know, if you check the gusts, you know, the gusts are, are purple. They're up to 40 knots. You know, it's a huge difference. And I, I just learned towards the north there to look at the gusts uh, forecast more more so than the sort of average wind speed they were expecting. And that, that sort of helped me. A few times I poked my nose out with, you know, everything, all the sails up and, uh, and I'm like, oh, I got I got too much up here, and it's 30 knots, and it wasn't nothing was forecast to be anything like that. You know, so the forecast was sort of 15, 12 to 15, or maybe 18 tops, but then you, all of a sudden you're in 40 knots and or 30 knots, and um, and you got heaps on, and uh, yeah, so yeah, watch the gusts in Croatia for sure. All right. Um, Nathan, we've been talking about an hour right now. I'm going to uh, stop this interview right here, and we're going to come back and continue on. So hold on just a second, okay? In my interviews with Nathan Cork, I did do a screen capture, so the video of that screen capture is available at the website medsailor.com both in the show notes for the episodes and also in the menu item called videos. So if you want to follow along as we're talking and I'm moving my cursor around Google Earth, it's available on YouTube and the links are at the website. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. The website for Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond is www.medsailor.com. Again, medsailor.com.